Welcome back, everybody. I know it was a, a little bit of a hiatus. I caught slipping again. Guests canceled on me. I guess maybe I should read the tea leaves when that keeps happening. Maybe it's me. Um, but we continue to go. We got a great one here. Uh, this is Martika. Martika is a really wonderful human being. Uh, we have a fun story on how we met. We start off with that, the conversation. Uh, and she's a, a great person. She's a, a one-woman stunt show. And she has a crazy business mind. So all of you artists out there, all you struggling, starving artists, unmotivated art artists, check her out. Listen to this. We get into some business talk in the middle. <clears throat> and she gives you a lot of good ideas and pointers if you're an artist looking to take take it to the next level, turn it into a business. And then we talked about how she swallows swords and eats glass. Wild stuff. Wild. Good time. Uh, themartikashow.com is how you can uh, get a hold of her and book her for a show if you want to watch her eat glass in front of you. She's also a children's book author. She brought it. It looks amazing. Um, fun episode. I don't know what more I can say about this. Um, check me out. at uh, Don't forget my Patreon if you'd like to uh, support me in that way, people, and watch the video episode of this. Go to uh, www.patreon.com patreon.com slash neanderthalk podcast and as for one dollar a month as little as one dollar a month you can get the access to all the video episodes of the podcast and sometimes i do extra things uh anyways thank you love you all bye welcome to the inner talk podcast we'll know topic is off now here's your host my daddy and void a soul Thank you for coming to the podcast. Boom, boom. In three, two, one. Boom, shock, boom. Episode, I'm going to guess this is 172. Wow. I think. Yeah. That's who a lot. cares? <laughs> eh, who cares about those? They're just numbers. Uh, Martika? Yes. Martika. Yes. We have a funny story about how we met. I do you I remember wanted, it? I want to hear your version of it. I you wonder know if you remember. What? I was gonna ask you that because I have a partial memory of what happened, and then it's been like a couple of years. It's been a couple the, of years, yeah. Yeah, the the pandemic more really changes things up, so you don't quite remember. It. It's a traumatizing experience. Yeah, the, the past two years is a real interesting time period of like how to judge times like you yeah know. and then pre-pandemic world it seems like a fantasy world almost <laughs> compared to life now <laughs> and the funny thing is that was uh so 2019 mm -hmm. was like do you remember how everybody was bitching about how awful 2019 yeah. was too so many people died and blah blah, so blah, 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 blah blah yeah and then 20 and then the pandemic is like oh shit we were complaining like i feel like eight eight 2018 and 19 there was a lot just a large uh, on social media a large number of people maybe this was just my algorithm but of just people saying how awful the year was especially when that was coming around new year's eve Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my, thank God we're getting out of 2018. That was like the worst year ever. 2019 couldn't be any worse. Mm. And then 2019 was same thing. If people started complaining about it and then boom, a pandemic hits like. 
Yeah, 2019 was really good year. Watch for what me. you complain about, I everybody. Liked it. Watch what you complain about. You like 2019? Yeah. Yeah, it was a great year. I was for me as a performer, it was like I was ramping up every year it was was just another great year of gigs and kind of pushing it to the next level and I was just so ready for 2020. For me, it started with January, end of January, February, I was in New Zealand doing a two-week solo tour. So I, it was just like, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to come back to the USA. I've got a Canadian tour coming up. Like all of this stuff lined up. And then it was like, boom, boom, boom. One thing after another of just cancellations. And then um, eventually Kansas City did its own shutdown. It was just Compared to 2019, like 2019 was a fantasy world for me. Yeah. <laughs> it was just amazing. Uh, but All right. Yeah. All right. So go back to how we met. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, this, yeah. This was pre-Demi. Pre-pandemic. I'm trying to remember. Was it 2019 that we met? I believe it's, I believe so. I do not believe we did masks. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was, mm-hmm. I, I believe it was on a third Thursday. A third Thursday. Because uh, I was trying to remember what I was even doing. Mm, the, the, the museum's third Thursday thing. Oh, was that where I met you? I thought we met in a bar. No, no. I believe we met in the street after a bar. Was it after? Or after uh, after third. That's where I came. Where, yeah. Um, the lady and I that I was with, we came from third Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And I think we were walking and yeah. met you or you happened to be walking from. Something. I can't even remember. <laughs> it was third Thursday could have been anything. It could have been a performance that I was coming from. It could, I, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember. Oh, I hate that. Where it's just at the tip of my tongue of like what I was doing or where we met, but we ended up, I gave you a ride to the plaza or we talked about it or something. I can't remember if you were like a poor lost soul in the street <laughs> needing help and guidance. And I just like happened to be there like a little fairy to, Usher you to a safe spot. I don't know how the conversation started <laughs> and why I gave you, or if you asked or she asked for a ride. <clears throat> Somebody asked, or maybe I offered it. I cannot remember. I, no, we asked because we had been Ubering mm-hmm. and we had started walking, and for some reason, our Uber app wasn't working or something like that. Yeah. We were kind of stuck. And we were kind of far from any anywhere. We were, I believe, we were at at the museum. Uh huh. And that's kind of far from like the plaza, but that's yeah. the closest place. But we were like, we're just gonna start walking there. Yeah. What else are we gonna do? <laughs> and then we saw you. It was like, oh, she looks like she could maybe give us a ride. <laughs> I always think it's so interesting when people look at me and they think that's an approachable human being. I'm gonna go talk to them because I feel like the most unapproachable human being. <laughs> I mean, we probably would have done it with almost anybody that wasn't homeless. Just if you, I looked. could have been a serial killer. You got lucky that night. You were outnumbered. Yeah. There's two of us. One of you. Two, we're taking well, our chances. Oh, we don't know either, but we're taking our chances. Yeah. We had liquid courage in us. There was a lot we were of desperate. liquid. Yes, I I think I felt desperate vibes, and I was like, these poor people. Yeah. They're going to get robbed or something. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to be the last person that they talked to before it happened. I better help them. Uh-huh. I think it was cold out, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but no, I'm, an, I'm a nice person. But that's not like an, an invitation to anybody. If you do see me around on the street, be like, oh. She's not your personal Uber. Yeah, that, that lady. <laughs> I remember her. She's going to help me out for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was such a rare. I don't do that normally. I don't 
pick up strays off the street and give them rides in my vehicle. There's lots of stranger danger vibes with all of that. <laughs> well, I had kind eyes. Well, yeah, yeah. And I think your friend that, what happened to her? She seemed nice. She is she nice. She's cute. She is cute. Yeah. Do you still talk? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Hopefully yeah. your life is also going great. <laughs> yeah. So after that, yeah, you took, yeah, you were so nice. And we were like, where do you want to go? And we were like, well, just somewhere on the plaza, yeah. whatever's open. And I think you suggested O'Dowd's. Oh, maybe. Or maybe it was going to meet a friend there. I can't remember. No, no, I wasn't because I, there was no one there that I knew when I got there. Hmm. Because we did have a drink at the bar. Yeah. Because I remember we had a drink at the bar and then we had a, another conversation. Um, but did we smoke weed in the car? Nope. No, I maybe I did. <laughs> and you were just there. I can't remember. That could be why I can't remember. That must have been it. Or that happened at some course of the night that that had happened. <clears throat> okay. But, but either way, it was it was interesting to meet you folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, that's how I found <laughs> out. The conversation was very interesting. It was night. interesting, <laughs> and that's how I found out you do what you do. And I was like, oh, and I've always wanted to have you on ever since then. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad I got you here. One more story. That night turned out to be really fun because you left. You had like a drink, and we're probably like, all right, these are a couple weirdos. I'm getting out of here. Maybe something around that. That I was like, man, I, okay, I really did just give these random people a ride. I better go now <laughs> before I was feeling like it was creeping to potential because i don't know you guys and i felt like oh are they is this like a threesome situation that's gonna start oh, no. happening <laughs> so i was like i better exit the scene before that conversation hits the oh, table that's so funny. i felt like <laughs> oh that's funny no we were just having a good time but we had a, we, it was such a fun night so after you left there was a couple other guys that were sitting at the bar mm. and we made up like this whole story of that her and I were in visiting in town from Rhode Island. What? And like, I'm here. I'm an, I just, we just made this whole story. Both of us made these complete stories. Yeah. Like, Some role playing. Was yeah. Happening. It was a lot of fun. And this the guy says, goes, really? I'm from Rhode Island. Like, oh my God. And so like of all the places we picked to make that we're from, we picked like the most obscure place. And the one guy in a random bar happens to be from there. So we're like bullshitting with them. And, the other yeah. guy sitting next to us was like an ex-pro baseball player. And it was, like, oh, it was a really fun night. Oh, that's yeah. really interesting. There was something going on in the air that <laughs> evening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I miss, that's the thing, you know, pre-pandemic, it was like, oh, you could just go out and just mingle whenever you want to and without a care in the world, you know, mm -hmm. and have those cool experiences. And now I feel like post-pandemic, people forget how to just socialize and like be able to talk to other people and have those experiences of like, okay, yeah, I could just help people in my car without fear of like, oh, I'm going to get COVID or I'm going to give them COVID or, or all of those things that people have yeah. been afraid of, you know, in 2020 through 21 and, and whatnot. So just those crazy shenanigans and social interactions haven't happened for so long for people. So you have to reteach yourself how to be human again and have positive human interactions with other random humans <laughs> bring back humanity yeah bring basically back the funness that. bring yeah. back bring back the fun yeah <laughs> i never i tried to didn't i tried not stopping like i tried not letting the pandy stop us yeah stop me like, like i kept going out all the yeah. time i went on you know i went to, on different trips like i was i was uh -huh. taking planes trains and automobiles all <laughs> through the pandemic at every oh. single stage 
and it and so I've seen it all. And it, yeah. yeah, it sucked. Like I I didn't stop going to have fun. It was everybody else who did. You know? Yeah, you go to a place and they'd be closed at ten o'clock. And mm-hmm. just, yeah, it was. So you were so you were like spreading the COVID then. <laughs> you were helping. I was so not. So we have it now. You can only get it Vector once. Vector one it. of Kansas City. <laughs> uh, I, when I had it, I quarantined myself. That is good, but I, I had to travel too with my job. I travel consistently, so and I was also fortunate enough that I was able to go get tested whenever I needed to. I have health insurance, so nice. I had the privilege of all of that, which I know a lot of people don't. Yeah. So people had to stop working for their safety reasons and all sorts of things and i did do a lot of virtual shows um but if someone let's tell everybody what you do real quick we were just started we kind of oh yeah i i mean you know i kind of i know what you do but the listeners (laughs) like wait a minute who is this chick what (laughs) she's just some chick you you picked up on the street and gave you a ride i still know nothing about this woman she has shows (laughs) what what's going on here what who the hell so, are you? So my name is Martika, um, and I'm a professional circus and sideshow entertainer. I'm actually Kansas City's only woman sword swallower. Um, there is only one other person in the city that swallows swords, Robert Wolf. Um, but in Kansas City, I also do a one-woman stunt show. Well, I shouldn't say just Kansas City, but in general, I do one-woman stunt show where I combine motivational speaking with traditional sideshow stunts like swallowing swords, fire eating, things of that nature. I also do a variety of shows, like just circus shows, LED shows, full fire shows. I perform internationally. Like I was mentioning, I was in New Zealand for two weeks performing at Busker Festivals, which are oh, cool. a street performance. Those are style. big in Europe, right? Oh, they're huge in a lot of countries. And they're kind of getting bigger <clears throat> here in the USA. Uh, there's more um, festivals that have been popping up. But I started performing and becoming a performer my I guess my my growing up as an entertainer is here in Kansas City I live here in Kansas City um, are you from here born and raised no I'm not born and raised here um I just say I'm from Kansas City now because I've been living here the longest me too but I am a military brat so I, I knew you were up. I fucking knew it we, maybe we talked about we could be like repeating yeah, our we conversation we had I don't know from ages ago I, I, was, <laughs> maybe we, I don't, I don't think so. I, I knew I, that was a vibe I was gonna ask you I was like how mm-hmm. else Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I I know all about planes and all of that because I've been doing it since I was like two years old. I was born in Florida, lived there a couple of years, and my parents left before one of their huge. It was at St. Andrews or something or Andrews or whatever Hurricane Andrews uh, before that happened in like the nineties and Air Force. Air Force, yeah. So we would travel every two to three years to like mm-hmm. a different state or whatever. And then we eventually went to Europe for a while, uh, lived in Germany for like four years. Oh, so, so much fun. And then I actually wrote a book all about it. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I hope you I, brought it. I have it with me. Hey. I just happened to have hey, one in my, in my tiny bag. <laughs> nice. The Amazing Martika. Yes. It's a kid's book. Uh about my life and growing up, about uh, being in the military, how I got involved in circus arts and all of that. Um, this is the non-glossy version. Version oh, I can't speak. Version of it so that wow. easier to see it on camera. But it is really cool because my illustrator took p- pictures of me as a kid and then turned it oh, into like wow. a cartoon version of oh, it. Oh, that is so cool. It is really awesome. He did an amazing job at portraying one of my favorite pages is the fire breathing page. 
looks really Whoa, cool. Look at that. And like getting all the colors of what flame looks like and representing it in a way, the, all the, the expressions on people's faces. I just. Oh, I oh, yeah, the art's amazing. Yeah, he did an it's amazing. It's a professional album. book, people. people. Most people are yeah. just listening to this. <laughs> but it, it's a beautifully illustrated, colorful. Mm-hmm kids book with a great art look at it with her swallowing swords yes. right here doing the splits Golly, <laughs> it's really crazy. cool because you don't see this type of um act in a kid's book and the story that's around it is motivational for the parents who are reading it for to the kids young readers or for the kids who are reading this as they get older and uh, get so much value out of it because it's about me growing up so as they grow up they can read it and experience it and kind of get an understanding of it's all about keeping your passions alive and when I first went to Germany is when I saw a circus entertainer and that's written here in, a, in my book and I fell in love with that and I became obsessed with that and I went to libraries I went to learn about it watch shows about it but I discovered it when How I old was were seven. You? Seven. Mm-hmm. But I didn't actually turn wow. that into a full-time business until I was in my twenties. So it, I talk about the experience of growing up and keeping that passion alive, and then eventually being reintroduced to circus again here in the Midwest at a, a art festival, music and arts festival. And they were offering workshops there. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do it. This is it. I've been wanting to do this. Why not now? And ever since I did that, I basically have not stopped hula hooping and all of the things. And now I've made it a business. I have an actual business license. People don't realize, like circus performers, we pay taxes. We have business licenses and all of that. You're it's, a professional artist. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, it's a business. I, I, right. I like wow. to talk about it so artists even understand it. There's so many people who live in the, the artist's spectrum, whether if you're a circus performer or if you're um, – a magician or podcast we're artists and to do what we do professionally you have to treat it like a business so i consider myself a entrepreneur a small uh, a creative creative entrepreneur to be exact and that's because i my what i sell my my business is my creative art and once you think of it that way and you treat it like a business it truly blossoms your potential over time and Mm. i've been full-time now for this will be my seventh year of solely living off my my business so i'm wow very happy congratulations holy cow and now i'm an author she's an author i'm so excited oh the dream look (laughs) at you all right what's next uh Mm -hmm. animated show Oh, how did you know? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just guessing that seems the next progression in where you're going. I think. It is actually. <laughs> I've been like, I've talked to some, my illustrator about it and um, people who help me behind the scenes about what's the next step for the book. And that's, it looks that's like I just, the just the, the, from what yeah. you showed me, just a few things. I'm like, I can see this as a kid's show. Oh, definitely. On Nickelodeon or Disney or whatever, you know, like, like that exactly. kind of what, like, yeah. That's my my goal is to keep that motivational circus sideshow alive through creating a YouTube channel first, a short animated YouTube channel so I can start getting followers, 
really putting this material out into the world and hopefully I could then use that to sell it to something like Netflix or Nickelodeon or things like it's that. It's such a great concept. There's so much like this book alone I would chop it up into three episodes and I have more books that I plan to work on or at least on the line just more motivational stories that are it's all true it's nonfiction. it's about my life and it is it's just something that everyone has their own stories to tell and the way I see it is I can only perform so many shows I can only do the split so many times <laughs> I'm 31 now and I've been dancing and doing sports and all sorts of heavy things in my body for like 20 years now so it's like I need to get this in writing and get it out into the world because I know I'm not going to be able to be wow, in you. every spot at every time. So how am I going to, you know, help kids on the other side of the world and countries that I may not be able to go to? So I actually have this book in Spanish, but I haven't released it just yet. So um, that will be coming out in about a month or two. And it's all available on Amazon. You can find it under the amazingmartika.com online if you want it directly from me where I'll autograph it and send you a cute letter and all of that kind of things as well. And this is paperback, but it also is available in hardback as well because I know kids get real handsy with books. <laughs> what age do you – what age is it for, like, what – for kids i say it's uh zero to 12 <laughs> basically this is a book that with all of the pictures in here you can as an adult read it to your kids and explain each page um as they get older it is pretty wordy in here as you can see that it's pretty wordy oh yeah so it's young readers as they get older they can come back to this book and revisit the pictures and all of that and get more understanding of this book so i say zero to 12 12 years old but you know kids who are 12 they they would just like it more for the the story aspect of it potentially they would easily read through this or you know or book project or something <laughs> you never that's know. really cool <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. was it was it hard oh my gosh this took four years Wow. Four years. Really? Yes. People think, oh, I'm just going to go write a book. Oh, it's a good book. Well, when book, you look at it like that, I did, it's like, <laughs> oh, like I just need to get, I got some stories I could dig it down. I mean, you know, it's not so, going to be a kid's book necessarily, but it could be in a kid's fashion, getting that kind of artistry. And they're like, oh, that'd be there's, fun. There's so much. Again, when you think about it, like as its own business, like me as my, as an author, that's my, my author side of my business is completely different. So to produce a book, if there's so many levels, you have to first get your manuscripts together, the actual test text, you have to get that edited. And then you have to get everything kind of like storyboarded out as right. far as the images per page per text and all of that. Um, along those lines, you have to do, um, uh, copyright um, contracts, agreements. You have to be doing all of this for every person that you interact with so they don't steal your material. Oh. You have to get your manuscript copyrighted. I had to get this whole book copyrighted. Um, so you have to do that as well. You have to um, get the ISBN on the back of the book. So you have to buy that. You have to buy the barcode. You have to put in tons of information. So there's so many steps that have to happen before you have this physical copy in your hands and the other thing is it took about a year just for can you get a little bit closer on that oh, mic yes yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> as i'm getting comfortable you can move, yeah you mic. can well you can move the mic with you as you 
As you get <laughs> That's comfy. what happens when I like, move it medicate beforehand before <laughs> interview. <laughs> but there's so much that's involved. You have to hire the illustrator. That's a whole other set of contracts that you have to all agree on and, and all of those things. And I had an illustrator before this one, before I worked with Damian Blake, and that illustrator, she just wasn't keeping with deadlines, was falling behind on artwork. And I'm a very relaxed person as far as you can set your deadlines. I'm an artist. I understand. Right. You got a life, whatever that may be. But even still, she kept messing things up and just consistently was like, well, I can't pay you if you're not going to give me the artwork that I need by this date. Good, because I like that art. So because, That book here. That art's yeah, this, dope. I'm really happy with how this last piece came out but through that i learned about how to cancel contracts and making sure that someone doesn't steal your artwork and your story so that was like a whole set of legality things i had to do before i had to then hire a whole new illustrator so that took like a year of working with her a year of the whole legal stuff and then a whole nother year of hiring another person to then finish out that last, you know, fourth yeah, year. Yeah, I checked out a work. long time ago. No wonder I'm not a <laughs> professional. I just, I, I, I have an unearthly dedication. I've, I've learned to, to things. Once I decide I'm going to do a thing, it's going to happen, no matter how long it takes. But, and I don't want to like scare people off of like producing art. Do it. And in the end, I was like, you know what? This is going to take a lot of time and it's also expensive to do. Right. But in the end, I was like, I'm going to do it because it's once it's your art is done, it's done. It's in the world. You have it forever. Mm-hmm. So put a book of poetry together. Copyright it. Just even if you don't think you're ever going to sell it or what, just copyright it. <laughs> That's the most important thing, especially with Instagram and TikTok and all of that stuff. People copyright their TikTok dances now what they do it's a totally a thing there is a tiktoker who um, was teaching people how to gritty make more money off of their content because you can't you can only make so much money off of youtube and tiktok and now they're like throttling things in different ways for people um but you can copyright it because there's like people like um i'm trying to think of someone i can't remember i think it was Copywritten so some artist copy me. Yeah, some celebrity was basically taking people's TikTok dances and adding it to theirs. Like Fortnite? Basically. Yeah, I think it was like Fortnite. Something Uh there was something happened that was a copyright issue, but um that's the best thing you can do to protect yourself as an artist is if you can copyright your stuff. I just can't believe you can copyright (laughs) a dance. You can. Oh yeah. I, I, what does that mean? You can't, like, if you do it and get paid for it, you have to give that money to the person who created it? Basically, if you're if you're saying, I but, I created this thingy and I'm trying to make money off of this very exact thing. So it has to be, when it comes to copywriting dances yeah. or a performance, like for me, I could technically copyright my one woman's stunt show, um, but it's it's so fluid and it moves around a lot that it's not too concrete of a script to copyright it so you have to have a script that's basically word for word you have to have um, original music involved in it Um, if you don't have original music you have to have at least a dance move that's like a and b and c and you know whatever 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 and you have to be the uh, original person who created it you have to have it documented as of course you have to have it documented Um, if there's like 
costuming involved. You have to have that included in it or if it's not you know what you can the hell out. this is but what is our world copyright it so what has our world become that we're copywriting <laughs> dances like, it's capitalism like what if what if you just like <laughs> capitalism like what's the i don't know what's the, the superman oh superman oh but what if you just move your legs slightly different and then you call it uh wonder woman oh mm-hmm. you you can and just like oh well, there's just there's only so many ways you can move the body, and then you can, if it's copywritten, I don't know. You'd that's... be surprised. You'd be surprised. And with for artists, who's got the worm? Is the worm <laughs> copywritten? I can't, but probably. Damn, I want that. And it, you can also just trademark it. You could just say like, I'm taking this this name and uh, applying it to this thing, and I'm trademarking that thing. Like how people try to trademark um, clothing lines or like. A specific style of Super outfit, Bowl. whatever, yeah, stuff like that. So there's different ways. It I, I I when I understand it as a business aspect of it, I understand it's like this is beneficial to artists who already have problems with making money and getting um, acknowledgement for their artwork. So it's a legal way of forcing people to acknowledge you. <laughs> artists get ripped off. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of artists get ripped they off. They do in so many ways. People oh, yeah. do. Uh, like when you post stuff on Instagram, people can regram that by using an, an app and put that on their site, and then they could just create an Instagram off of your Instagram. I hope they basically. do. <laughs> I'd love people that. People do all kinds of That'd stuff. That'd be great. Like that. Do it. Whoever's out there, if you want to do that, come on, blow me up. <laughs> Co- find me. Copy this. Copyright me. <laughs> <laughs> copy me i ain't copywritten so you can copy me yeah. <laughs> i'm mr elliot <laughs> wow yeah oh uh, so how so it took you four years how how long has this book been out can uh, i look at it yeah totally look at it the publication date was the 22nd oh, look at of that. February. Got the real picture mm-hmm. and the cartoon picture in there yeah, I wanted people to see. Um, so in the back, there is an author bio and an illustrator bio. So you can learn a little bit about me and Damien Blake, <clears throat> excuse me, my illustrator. And it has our cartoon versions holding our real um, bio, bio, uh, yeah, bio picture. And it looks pretty cool to see it side by side to see how well he did at capturing our features and, and putting it into the book because I was blown away when I saw that. And I was like, people have to see this side by side. <laughs> what was it like when you first got mm-hmm. your first hard copy in your hands? Did you cry? I did. I didn't cry, but I was just like, yes. <laughs> I was also really tired. I just got back from work from an event and I saw it and I just like, is one of those things where you see a thing, but it's hard for you to really process it all in the moment because you have so much other stuff going on. Um, but it was, it was like a very much of a yes moment. Like, I'm so happy this is done. Maybe I'll cry about it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely have had moments that were like tearjerker moments. I um, did my first show with my book that I was able to bring it with me. I went out to North Carolina, Charlotte, for a performance um, at Oddities and Curiosities Expo. Oh, cool. Um, they're going to come to Kansas City. I forget which Ooh. date. I won't be performing there. There's another set of entertainers that will be there. But, what um, kind of performers? Sideshow performers. They okay. uh, The Oddity and Curiosity Expo predominantly hires sideshow performers, um, suspension performers. Those are people who do the hooking where they hook into the flesh 
and uh-huh. they hang you and like swing you around and stuff. And they'll also have uh, family friendly entertainment because it's a family friendly uh, weirdo event. Basically, it's a lot of fun. Um, but I was there doing my one one stunt show with sword swallowing. Uh, what did I have? My barbed wire hula hoop I had with me and human cutting board. Um, I should explain it because I. I feel like people probably don't know what, what I'm talking about. So sword swallowing is pretty obvious. You swallow a real sword yeah. past your lips. Jesus. I can't, down yeah, your I can't throat, handle that. I can't even. It's so sad. Between I your can, lungs. I can barely brush my back molars. Into with, your uh, stomach. <laughs> and oh. then you have to pull it all back out. Like ah, I so. can't even, Yeah, I can't even. <laughs> I can't even listen to it. That's just. It, it just I want to get Good gag thing I didn't bring my it. sword. <laughs> I, mean, I would watch it, but it's just. I don't know. I maybe I would watch. I don't know. It may, it just makes me. Yeah. It's just different to me. I have a like I said. I can barely brush my teeth without gagging. <laughs> like, it's it's a uh, you train to do it. You know, people train I, to be you know, doctors. I, I train to put swords down my throat and not kill myself. So, yeah. You know, apples and oranges. You know. <laughs> uh, I want. I'm so curious about it. <laughs> yeah. What do you start with? A knife. A butter knife? <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to tell people how to do it because I don't want them to try it at home and potentially kill themselves. Um, it is very much a dang. It's a stunt for a reason. Like there's circus tricks. There's magic tricks. Were you like an impre- but, apprentice and had to learn? Mm-hmm. I was um, an apprentice to Harley Newman. He is a sideshow entertainer based off of the East Coast in uh, Pennsylvania. But... Um, he may or may not be teaching anymore. He he used to be very open about like wanting to work with more people, but I'm not certain now. The Citra world operates on a different wavelength than um than how some people would assume you would be involved. Like people think, oh, it's the circus. You know, it's just like you can go to there's circus schools you can go to even. And, and there's tons in France and um, not France. Uh, well, yeah, there's a lot of European ones. There's ones in Canada. I think there's a handful, maybe four or three in the USA, if I remember, circus schools. And they're very strict on who they allow in um, certain um, age ranges. You have to get letters of recommendations and all of these things. Sideshow World is a little bit different. It's kind of like the best way to describe it is like the back alley of the circus. So nice. you may get shanked by somebody. You may not. You really have to vet people before you work with them. And they're going to vet you before you work with them. Um, <laughs> and I don't really? mean that in like, a, in a, like a, a dangerous way. I just mean it in like a sideshow is just more gritty about how they go through things and they've kept the same method for the most part since the 30s or 20s 1920s into 2022 um a lot of the mindsets have adapted and are more progressive but they're still kind of old world mindsets and basically you have to know someone who knows someone or you have to be in a family that it's passed down to you and there's a vetting my vetting process was like a year or two or something like that before That's be part I of actually like a certain organization no not a certain organization just for someone to take you on as like a an apprentice okay to learn the craft because there's probably so few of them yes worldwide huh? there's you probably can, how many sword, sword, sword swallowers are are there in the world there can't be a ton i mean when you think about there's billions of people on a planet when it comes to sword swallowers there's probably like i don't know a, a few thousand maybe ten thousand wow. i i don't know specifically right. but it is in the thousands when it comes to women that sword swallow it's um probably just 
of like a thousand a cup you know it's right. not, it's wow. like a, a, a fraction of whatever I, I don't know the numbers specifically so don't quote me on that sure i'm just i'm, <laughs> I'm just, just throwing out some numbers right, i'm just throwing out but, weird questions like, like yeah that. there's not a lot of us around um and it's, it's like you're saying you yourself may not want to even look at that type of skill set i've seen you know, pictures it, and stuff i just don't know how I, I i would i i'm curious i'm a curious fella yeah i would definitely watch it mm-hmm <laughs> you know yeah you had this look in your eye of like i'm gonna watch it but i'm gonna be real uncomfortable <laughs> through the whole i know experience. I just, I, and i know <laughs> and the, well, the thing is i know not to worry or be yeah. or feel anything in but it's just it's a it's a reflex it's like i just feel it down here yeah but it's like i know you're professional and do this but i mean have you ever been hurt uh not sword swallowing no i'm I pride myself on my technique, but I'm also um, mm. smart enough to not be too complacent because that's when you get hurt is when you're complacent about your your technique. Uh, it's and like I was saying earlier, it's a stunt, meaning it can potentially hurt or kill you. Uh, there's a variety of stunts that I do that have varying degrees of danger. Walking on glasses has a varying degree. Um, eating glass has its own varying degree of danger. Um, fire eating has its own danger. And people th ask me like, oh, so what's the most dangerous thing you do? And the sword swallowing, glass eating are in the same category of danger. Because once you've put a thing in your body that you have little control over what happens once it's in there, it, it leaves more probability for things to go wrong. Um, but there's technique involved in all of the stunts. It's like jackass. They have their own type of stunts that they do, and there's varying degrees of danger or varying degrees of being uncomfortable. And they're always but in danger and uncomfortable and in the there's hospital. Technique. <laughs> there is still people, there is still a level of technique behind the stunts oh no they're they stunt do. men for sure yeah for sure. so they don't actually die they want to you, you want to get to as close of the line as you can without actually going over the cliff is how a lot of stunts work in the sideshow world as is well is that the mentality of the sideshow world Basically, and that, so you can imagine the big egos people have in the sideshow world. There is so much. That's why I was talking about copywriting. So there's so much sideshow performance of I was the first sword swallower to do this. I was the first sword swallower to do that. Or I'm the only like I will say I'm the only woman in Kansas City because that is just a fact uh, who swallows swords. But at the same time. I'm not going to, if a sword swallower moved into my city, I'm not going to be like, this is my turf. I work here. You can't work here. People do that. There's sword swallowers that will do that and will literally be like, this is my How far will they go? Town. I mean, sh oh, they sh go they far. Have they to shit talk people. Oh, they, they have they to have a duel. People. They have to have a sword duel, right? <laughs> That's just the obvious thing. We're type. bringing back duels, people. <laughs> <laughs> there can only be one sword swallower in this town, goddammit. It's either going to be you or me, and we're, we're fighting with swords to the death. <laughs> um, I mean, the. Like I said, the sideshow world has been over the years that has gotten better, but there I has knew it. been I knew beef. it was like that. Um, and I'm talking like years, years back. People yeah. will have beef, but there's there's all kinds of um, carny talk of like um, in the same circle. Do carnies and sideshow? That's just kind of the same circle. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're 
Oh, well, technically, a boy. carny is like someone who runs the carnival, but like um, I should say more of the circus sideshow world. Okay. Circus sideshow magic world that encompasses. Oh, my God. That is a world. Arts. That is a it's world. A, it's, it's really it's its own world. Oh, my gosh. Um, Your parents must be so scared for you. They must have been like, <laughs> what? oh, my God. I would. I don't know what I'd do if my daughter wanted to go <laughs> hang out with the the. I was weird growing up, so they they were not fully surprised. Um, I think the only time that they were more shocked was when I was like, oh, I got a veterinary technician degree, and I was working in a corporate laboratory. Uh, and I was working there for like two years, and the lab got bought out, and they laid off a bunch of people. It was in Olathe. There was like 200 people overnight that lost their jobs in Olathe, Kansas. And they gave us severance, and we got unemployment, and... Um, but it was like, okay, what now? I plan to work at this lab, this corporate lab with, you know, amazing 401k, all this other stuff for well into my 30s, 40s, whatever. And now it was like, what do I do? And I had already been doing circus part time. I worked Monday through Thursday. So it was great. I had Friday through Sunday to go perform at shows or travel or do whatever I needed to do and then come back home and do my day job. Um, but I was like, you know what? I've already got all these gigs lined up anyway. So how about I just do this full time and then just do whatever I can to add in more events into my weekly schedule. And I just told myself, you got a year. You got a year to figure it out because that's about how much my severance and unemployment oh, was going to last. that's kind of cool though. And I used that money to hire an accountant. I used that to get my business license wow. and Jeez. get my LLC, pay for all of that using this people that laid me off. <laughs> but yeah, but it's been seven years now since all of that. Um, and through all of that, I didn't start off as a sword swallower. I started off with like a very I would Small imagine it takes a while to get show. there. And then I learned more. I was very self-taught at first. I had learned some things from private lessons, circus lessons for hula hooping, but I wanted to learn more of the stunts. And I wanted to learn more of the glass walking and like push myself more. Like, what's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I can do? And then I got just, more into well, sideshow. So you start off hula hooping, just kind of mm -hmm. getting, I just want to hula hoop. Yeah. And then exercise and for now fun. and now i want to mm -hmm. walk on glass <laughs> there, i was always a kind of alternative minded human being well, that was so the that next just, step hula that was glass walk <laughs> basically yeah oh, you want to hula hoop on glass Excuse me. Yeah, I, I have done that before, but that's ah, not my shtick. That's somebody else's shtick. It's not really. Uh, What's your shtick? Mine, I like to barb. So um, there are certain stunts that people will innovate, and I've innovated barbed wire hula hooping. So that's my thing. Don't take it. <laughs> that was never a thing before you? Uh, nope. I Googled it. I YouTubed it. I looked it up. There was someone who did hula hooping with... Or a hula hoop that had nails on the inside, lined on the inside okay. of it. But not a hula hoop that was made of just barbed wire. Jesus. And currently, I can hula hoop up to three barbed wire hula hoops moving at the same time while aiming for a target. So I would have like someone like you holding a balloon in your hand, in your bare hands, and I hula hoop and aim for that target in your bare hands. And... It's all about, I turn it into a little bit of a game and I say, we're going to play a sideshow game and like d d really talk the whole experience up. And like the end of the game is that the prize is no one gets hurt in the end. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a lot of fun and I've, I've gotten it up to two human targets and um, multiple hoops. It's been, that's been fun to take that. I did that in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I never performed in North, in Charlotte before. And that yeah. was a, a good group of people. Nice. <laughs> 
Shout out to Charlotte. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was surprised about that actually, um, but <laughs> I don't go to the South that often. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, but I South's got some amazing food. They do. They mm. do. Oh, the crab was really good. Well, speaking of amazing food so in the good. South, I went at, at, and derailing this conversation. Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's a place. Do you remember where Nara? Remember Nara Sushi on, oh, yeah. on Maine? Well, it's turned into a place called Lulu's or Lula's, and it's southern cooking. Ooh-wee. Oh. I went there the other day. It's got a great view, a great vibe. Interesting. Oh, very good. I don't know. I have to check it out. I like Lufties. That's like my go-to oh, place. Oh, there's one right down the street. So, yeah, that's like my go-to place. So I'll have to try this other one out, too. How do you pronounce it? I, I pronounce it Lufties. All right. Isn't that what it is? I think so, but a lot of people say lefties or lefties. I think Excuse it's lefties. I, I think it's lefties. Look, <laughs> <laughs> well, go out to Johnson County, ask what they say. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so what I'm I'm curious about with your podcast, like where are you taking it? I've been watching videos about it. Yeah, tables are turning. I've got questions for you. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, I don't know what kind of videos have you seen. Just I've, my short, quick little five-minute yeah, ones? Yeah, I've watched through those, um, different ones through that. Like, I, do you plan to, like, take it on the road and do, like, a podcast tour or something like that? I wish I had that kind of, like, motivation. and, oh. and get, I would I would <laughs> like to. I would. I do. I tell myself to get. Um, I did have. I can't really go. I can't really talk about this. Mm. I won't go into it. But I did have a. Someone last night, actually, an opportunity or two nights ago, a, a pretty decent opportunity fell into my lap. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I'm just waiting on some more details and reaching out to it. I don't know. I can't talk much about it, but there is oh. a, I do have a potential big thing that could come up here yeah. in a couple months. Um, I've done a live show. I've done a couple live shows, mm -hmm. one at like a bar comedy place in North Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And then one at Seventh Heaven on Troost. I haven't been there in forever. <laughs> yeah, down in her basement, they got it all set up. Um, oh. So I don't know. I, mm -hmm. I would like to do, mm -hmm. and then I did like a game con, like video game convention. I took, yeah. I took it there and did some stuff. So I have done a couple of things. I mm -hmm. do, I don't know, I don't, my, I don't have, I don't know, I just do the podcast. I just. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what my future is. I, sh I should be more business-like. I really should. People do tell me that. I mean, <laughs> I just I, it started out mm -hmm. as just doing for fun, get, giving yeah. myself like something kind of to live for, more or less. Mm -hmm. And and then now it's grown. I don't know. I should try and, and do bigger things with that. I do have a sponsor, West Bottoms Whiskey Co. I haven't re-upped with them in a while. You have a sponsor? But they give me free whiskey. What? Uh, I don't know. I won Best Podcast... For Kansas City Magazine this year, and I've been that's and great. I've been nominated every year, but mm. yeah, I don't do anything with it. I just have a good time. You should do something. <laughs> I know. With that's what it. Saying, I don't know how. Like I just yeah. don't. I'm not. I'm not business minded. Mm -hmm. I don't have. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm. Yeah. Afraid, I, I'm like a guy. Like I don't like asking for things. Like, hey, would you like? You know, I, I'll. I'll you know, promote your stuff if you give me a hundred dollars yeah. an episode or whatever. You know what I mean? I don't know how to. You just did it. You just said it. Sure. That's basically it. You know, you just send out a little, you can even do like a little press release to, to people. I'll be like, here's my information. You know, you can use this to like a little bio about yourself, a little I would like to do more too. Like about just, what 
it's all about. Because if you already have a sponsor, I mean, I don't have a sponsor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, it's just free whiskey, but. Hey, it's better than nothing. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I accept. I would accept free whiskey. Oh as no, a I wanted it. That's why I was like, I, I didn't even negotiate anything. I was like, Yo, can I get some free whiskey? I'll talk about you guys all the time. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, and other people are like, you should capitalize on it. You got this, this. Like, I know, but mm-hmm. I know I should. There's a lot of potential to that could come out of it if you want to do it full time. But it's like it's no pressure. I've I've learned over the years because I'm such a business like I want to do all these things type minded. See, person. I need that mind. In I can't. My... It sounds great until you can't shut it off and then have normal conversations that doesn't have to deal with making money or doing something. You know, <laughs> I would like to surround myself with that kind of mentality more. Hmm. Um, there are a couple of people I hang out that are like that and they do, they have motivated me to, I, I mean, that is why I got that sponsor because yeah. I was motivated to ask and, and, it and do some, and it worked and, and, it, and it's just from hanging around a certain person a couple of mm-hmm. times and it is, you know, they say you are who you hang out with. Like I do want to get more of that kind of mentality in my life mm-hmm. to, you know, just, you know, the tide rises, raises all ships and you get more more ships in your court and get that tide <laughs> rising all together. Let's go. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I've learned about. I've been an artist in this city at least for 10 years now. And it's that pe- there's people who want to complain about Kansas City and, and say it's it's behind. Yes, it is behind on, on the times compared to the East Coast and the West Coast. But also it's it, it has potential because it is a smaller city, you get to meet people faster. You get to move a little bit faster when it comes to getting yourself out there and getting known as an artist within this, a city and within the <clears throat> communities that you're a part of because of that. And so you're able to meet more people faster and kind of branch out a little bit faster compared to some other cities. When I travel, I always think of like, how are artists like me operating? in this city how are things growing and you know being involved in those communities there and kansas city is on par with some cities that people wouldn't necessarily realize at least when it comes to what i do circus and sideshow world kansas city isn't too far off compared to some other cities because you also have to work hard to be noticed in general Mm -hmm. as an artist so even though it's a small city it's like you have to consistently be putting out good content because it's small so people have already seen what you've you've done for the past you know six months or whatever so now if you're doing weekly things or monthly things you've got to be constantly creating pumping things out so Kansas City artists are used to constantly producing (laughs) and producing new things because it's a small city people in like Houston people in you know bigger cities they can use their same thing and repurpose it and keep using it for a while and not having to necessarily be pushed as hard because of that and bigger cities they just there's more locations to go work Mm -hmm. so more opportunities to go work and more places to reuse material and get good at it you know so it's it's just a, a, a different mindset and because of that I feel like people in Kansas City do have to be more than just artists to get out there more like some people can get away with just being a personality and just being an artist and they just you know just make money whatever you know people just like them but I feel like you have to do more than just be a personality and just be an artist in Kansas City and some people don't realize that 
but you have to do so much more. And then once you you realize you you have to work harder in other areas, then you're able to branch out more. Um, and that applies to all kinds of artists in various ways. You know, definitely travel, network. You know, but that doesn't say that you can't be a full time artist and be successful and live in Kansas City at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is the key. It's just working harder and getting a little bit more creative and kind of yeah getting out. I think that I, you know, I did. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I need to work harder, really, if I want to do this. Nothing hard with working a little harder. That's that's yeah. You just and that's the the do or die <clears throat> sideshow mentality is that no one is going to force you to swallow a sword. That is your choice. No one's going to force you to go eat fire. That's a choice you have to make. So you have to go through all of the steps of learning all of the risk factors and how to take care of yourself and so many things before you even do the thing. So I think that that do or die mind over matter mentality in general has helped me as an artist and as a business person because it's like, okay, I've got to fill out 10 contracts today and 10 invoices and not a single person is going to force me to do this or really be here to help me do it. I just got to buckle down and just do it and the more you do it the more it's just going to be like any other day <laughs> so you just got to get started it's turned a motivational hour <laughs> no you're right for, and for I, artists and I, yeah. <laughs> we're going to title this motivational business advice for artists. See, I, the, I argue I, I like to not argue uh that's the wrong word i like to get the opinion <laughs> on uh, on people like yourself that are, that are very mm-hmm. you're a go-getter you're a hustler i can you're like i'm good, not just going to stop me i'm and I'm business oriented. Yeah. Like I'm an I'm an artist, but I've also got this drive. Yeah, like there's a drive it. to do it. That but you like there's a I don't know. I just feel like there's something in your DNA mm. that isn't in a lot of other artists' DNAs that don't have that. They're just like oh, like I'm going to be late. I know I got to be at this podcast, but I'm going to be an hour late. Yeah. Because oh, I got wrapped up in. I mean, you, I you was know, late too, but I wasn't an hour late. You weren't that bad. Like <laughs> I was you fashionably late. Yeah, you weren't. You weren't artist late. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like artists be like 30, 40 minutes late sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. just, you get that mentality that like I don't know because artists are just not. Oh, they don't have a, a lot. I don't know professionalism. There's a level of um, professionalism. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. And there's a level level of work ethic. And artists, our brains are not geared towards that at all. Like it's just naturally. If we wanted to be in a corporate world that demanded these things, we would have done it. I mean, I tried to do it, and it was soul-sucking and horrible, and I'm happy I got laid laid off. <laughs> hey, but, and laid, huh? Yeah. What's wrong with both? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is – our brains are not wired to do it, so you have to force yourself to do something that you wouldn't naturally do, and you're trying to choose a path of life that is more natural and more akin to you regardless if you're do poetry or painter or whatever spectrum of artists that you may be um, whether it's um, performance art or whatever it may be um, so y- you you have to force yourself to learn a new skill and that new skill isn't any artwork it's that boring shit people don't want to do damn it you're right (laughs) and once I I also was fortunate enough that I took business classes in college I just took a couple of classes at JUCO they're pretty cheap they're really nice even if you don't want to get a degree the classes themselves just help you have a foundation to apply it to whatever business creative um, entrepreneur you may be and the other thing I had to learn it was that 
I've just always been such a, a go-getter, like workaholic type person. I'm not saying this in like a positive way. It's definitely an unhealthy level of, of workaholic type mindset of um, if I'm going to do a thing, I know all of the steps that I need to do to achieve it. And I just have to keep plowing through those steps to achieve it. And there's there's just, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> I had it and then I lost it. I hate when that happens. All right. <laughs> but I think we understand where I was talking about. Yeah, what was for I sure. saying? You're motivated. You got a plan. You're going to get it. Yeah. And just to, to apply that to your life. No matter and what it is, you got a vision for it. You're going to go get it. Yeah. Business classes can be helpful if you're not business minded. There's in Kansas City, we have the Kansas City Lawyers and Accountants of the Arts. It's a non-for-profit. That's very nice. It helped me get my business off the ground. They have workshops. Um, it's non-for-profit. So you can just do by donation. They help people who don't necessarily have funds to get lawyers and accountants to figure out contracts and to get your LLC, to get your business license. So they're a very nice group of people. Um, tell them I sent you. <laughs> I don't get a cape back or anything. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just tell them I said hi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've been very helpful. Um, but there's once, like I was saying, once you're able to achieve all these little boring work shit, <sighs> it propels you in a way that you so many more doors open up for you as an artist. There's so many loopholes that people don't realize that once you get involved in like Arts KC Inc. or Charlotte Street or those type of people who also offer grants that can help propel you even more as an artist. Grants can be kind of hard to maneuver, but there's ones like the Inspiration Grant is really nice that Arts KC does. And if you have something you're working on and you're just looking for a little extra funding, you don't have to have a specific outline and like as many details as some of the other grants ask for. And they can help give people a couple hundred dollars thousand dollars whatever they may need to help propel themselves as an artist in Kansas City so there's I feel there's just a disconnect of communicating opportunities to people so I'm like Mm. constantly whenever I'm doing a thing like okay here's this here's this here's this here's all this information now go get it (laughs) yeah so um I've I've learned through networking, meeting people like you in the wilds. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's so much um, ways that artists can help other artists that people forget. It's like, yeah, I, I kind of have a podcast, but it's not like super, it's not like this level of podcast. And then I, I'm like behind on releasing episodes, but either way. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like almost a year. But oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. bad. I don't know. But I you know, trying to put my hands in too many things at one time. Right. Um, but either way, it's once you understand how the arts world work works and as it applies to the business world, um, there's there's a lot of I don't know how either worlds work. That's why I'm <laughs> stuck in between. I just talk to people. You just go, yeah, yeah, that's basically it. You just go out, talk to people, go to workshops. Oh, no, I just do this. I just talk to this. people in front of me. This uh, is all I do. I do need you're to. like, come to me. Come to me. <laughs> come to me. And, you know, can I just hire someone to do all the hard stuff for me? Like, make me rich and famous. 
Give it takes cut. some work. Some people think it's easy. Um, it's it's a fluke. Honestly, people think, oh, I'll just get TikTok famous. I'll get the lottery. That's more on the most sheer fucking luck and chance that that happens and that it actually takes a little bit of effort to. You know, to you're right. There. I, I, yeah, I'm <laughs> kidding. I, I, I do work hard a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. I'm not and, saying just to you. Oh, to, no, I know you don't. To the people in the world. But the world. I, well, I'm agreeing with you. When I do have a lot of successful artists like yourself on the show they, they're mm-hmm. all they're and all doing hard stuff behind the scenes that I, you don't I'll see. just say success is subjective not every people think like there's an, an ideal you know pinnacle of this is top level success this is middle when whatever. I'm saying success <laughs> in this instance when I'm saying success mm-hmm. is people that are living their dream that are doing what they want for a living as their dream exactly it doesn't have to be a so, money yeah yeah that's a certain what I, amount yeah. or yeah, that's what, when I when house. I'm saying it in this instance, <laughs> yeah. as far that's my definition of success. If you're mm-hmm. living your life, doing what you dream to do, like I've had yeah. a few people like yourself that are doing that on the podcast, and it is, they all say the same thing. Like, you got to work hard. It's just hard work. There's shit you Consistent. don't see. Consistency is mm-hmm. big, but there's things you just don't see them doing. Like I remember, for instance, I had this uh, this guy that qualified to be an Olympic boxer. And every day he writes, he wakes up and writes down the five things he's most grateful for. Yeah, mindfulness. Every single day he does mm-hmm. that. He doesn't, and he doesn't cop, double up. Every day. I'm like, how, the, you know, it's like there's this, yeah, there's just some people that. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's something in their DNA that gives them this extra, like. I think it's. <laughs> that's how I look at it. Yeah. I think it's definitely something that I learned growing up. Yeah. Being, like, living on Air Force bases until I was like. Let me think, 14? So different types of Air Force bases, military bases, Army Mm -hmm. bases. So you're constantly surrounded by people who are in uniform who have to follow um, a strict guidelines when it comes to even if you're in the commissary, um, commissary for people who don't oh, know. Oh yeah, what, yeah, the for, grocery for store. For the ones who don't know what a commissary <laughs> is, um, it's it's where the grocery store where you go buy your foods yeah. <laughs> and things, or the BX depending if you're like stationed overseas or whatever. And the BX is also where you like BX you can. It's almost like a Walmart where they have like foods, technology, buy DVDs, whatever. Yeah, it's like a Walmart. Cheap cologne. And no you know? taxes. <laughs> yes, that was the nice part is no taxes. But, uh, yeah, I, when you're constantly surrounded by when you're just shopping in the commissary, and my dad, he was a staff sergeant, so he would have people under him who would have to salute him, even though we're just buying some fucking groceries or something. Yeah. So, like, that constant growing up with all that, I think – conditioned my brain to be like you can be on it all of the time if you need to be and like that level my dad um him being a staff sergeant like people think oh you're in the military you just stay in the military for a while or you go to war and that's how you get like levels in the air force you take tests and things like that like you you basically tr- like go to school so to speak like you have to read textbooks and things to take tests to go up in ranking you don't just like go to war and see combat you come home and like you leveled up you know <laughs> you don't like that get, happens too though po- yeah i mean that cannot that can happen but there's yeah. various ways to do so so i i grew up watching my dad 
um, getting his college degree. But after doing that, he also was in the military and continuously, you know, doing the training and not just the, you know, the reading textbooks and things like that, but like the actual training he had to do, like right. getting a certain weight level. So, so you learned all this. You learned all this certain, hard work. Yeah. So I learned it. had it ingrained in you and you're like. Yeah. My siblings, you know, they. I'm laid off. I'm going to be <laughs> a, a, a sideshow performer. Basically. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to live my life how I want to live my life. And that's basically what my parents taught me in a way. They didn't just stay. My dad's <clears> from um, Missouri area. Um, he didn't just stay in the Midwest. He's like, no, I'm going to take my family and we're going to go. I know it's going to be tough, but we're going to be traveling. My dad's been to Korea. He's been to the Middle East for work, of course. Um, he's been all over. So I also grew up watching someone constantly traveling and also coming home and like living their life and it's like you can be a, a traveling human and whatever job that may be and still you know have all this other stuff happening in, in your life so I like latched on to that and like this sounds really cool how do I make this work in my life like I want to travel you know I want to have like a strong work ethic and I've just continuously kept applying that and if you don't have that type of thing right now you just start with small things it doesn't even have to be related to work like mindfulness that's I have a Fitbit I just got one because I um my partner gave it to me because it's, it's nice it like tells you every so often uh you can do five mindful things for the week and it like dings so you just stop for like two minutes like, okay, for two minutes, I'm just going to be mindful. Think of something positive. Think of something either positive about the day. Like you're saying how that one guy was writing five things down. You can do that. But in two, two, two minutes, you're not going to have that much time. So it, you start small. And then once you start getting that type of ethic, work ethic down or mindful ethic, whatever you want to call it, down, then you can start applying that to, okay, today, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, I'm going to cold call people, 30 minutes, I'm going to email people that and start from there. That's what I did with my business. My when I was first full time, the first year, I was like, OK, shit, how do I do this? Like, I know how to run a business business as it applied to your typical like huh. mom and pop store or something. But like, how do you run a circus sideshow business? No idea. So I sat down. I was like, OK, to for three days out of the week, I'm going to focus on like the business side. And then two days out of the week, I'm going to focus on booking, booking, however that may apply, whatever I'm trying to book. And then I would say, okay, for this hour of the day, I'm going to focus on whatever that may be. And then switch to the next hour of the day, I'm going to focus on maybe my practicing and making sure I'm keeping up on my skill sets or something like that. So that can be applied in other people's ways in so many different forms. Like right now, you're you're doing a podcast so that would be like this is my chunk of my day I'm doing this and then the next chunk of my day maybe I'll do some drinking I'll, drinking drinking That's what I'm doing. And, <laughs> and put a press release together <laughs> I want to try some of this whiskey sometime I wish I, I don't have any I'm all out I have to go next get time some. we'll right. do like a second podcast all right we can do that will you... the next one will be drinking <laughs> yeah you got to swallow my club over there though <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> Right. <laughs> That's a one-time stunt, and yeah. then I'm, I'm dead after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But it's 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 definitely a bit of work in general, and I'm not perfect at all. I'm not saying like I don't have days where I'm like I'm just gonna go ahead and and have a drinking day and take the day off. <laughs> but right. I'm a nice. It's nice that I I have that 
opportunity to be like, okay, I'm my boss, my own boss. And like um, when I was traveling or during the pandemic and everything shut down. I saw down. what you were doing through the pandemic. Yeah, you yeah. did some great, uh, an amazing thing. I saw on your uh, Instagram, it was a, a drive, the driveway experience. Is that what it was called? Yes, is what I was um, calling. So basically it that was. That was amazing. That was a really great idea. I was like, what yeah. a wonderful way to capitalize. Because <laughs> artists and, and, think, and especially performers got uh-huh. hit really hard oh during the pandemic because you can't perform anywhere. It was ridiculous so i work with corporations colleges things like that like i've worked with sprint before i've worked with um kansas city community college i can't remember what oh shout out kckkcc blue devils let's go (laughs) yes i've worked with various locations um within the city libraries all sorts of places but i had just finished going to a convention where you talk to potential talent agents, um, bookers, uh, event coordinators, directors for colleges, corporate events, and other big things. But this conference, uh, I was it was in Orlando where they had their outbreak. Like I was flying to Orlando, Florida when they had their first outbreak of it. Oh, wow. And like serious outbreak at one of the nursing homes. So I was oh, like, sure. Oh my gosh, I'm going to I'm I was joking about the vector thing earlier cuz that's how I felt when I was flying to cuz we just didn't know. It was like February or right. something. I had just gotten back from New Zealand, was home like maybe a week to fly out to Florida for this event. And I since I do international travel, so it was starting to become a thing mm-hmm. as I was traveling back to the USA and I was flying to like Fiji and other locations oh, wow. and they were s- literally just setting up tents <laughs> in yeah. the airport to quarantine wow. people. And I would just see all these white tents popping up and then signs. Have you traveled from China or whatever location? If you have, you have to, you know, get quarantine or whatever they were doing at that time Ooh. it was like a scary time when legit happening as i was coming in but either way um as i finished that event that weekend flew home i had contracts in hand i had people who were setting up college tours with me uh. all sorts of things you know we deal with deposits retainer fees all of that shenanigans mm-hmm. um and i already had a bunch of those for 2020 summer whatever when i get booked we kind of plan things out the end of the year before beginning of the year for the rest of the year like my calendar is booked and done by february most of the time or march um but when i got home that following week it was email after email after email of people saying sorry we can't go forward with that contract we just signed with you this weekend and then the following week it was people who i had deposits for that were like so what can we do here? Can we hold the deposit for following later that year? Because we thought maybe it was just going to be bad for a know. couple of months yeah. or whatever. Right. So um, I was able to work with people. And at that point, I was just like, I, as an artist, as a business, it was like, I can't give you. It's non-refundable. It says in the agreement anyway. So I'm like, what can I possibly do to help make this work for people? And I immediately, when the shutdown had first happened here in Kansas City I think it was like March or something I was already in the process of getting the material I needed to do virtual shows to do my driveway show and the driveway show um, I promoted it a lot on Facebook and Instagram and it was basically I have this my my big sign that's on the side of my car and I would drive to your house or cul-de-sac wherever apartment complex parking lot and I would do the show 
within that driveway. So for say, if you were in a cul-de-sac and you're like, okay, I know my kids hang out with these kids and we're all bored and they want something else than just sitting and watching TV, those houses would get together and they would pitch in like a hundred here, you know, whatever people could do. And I would also collect a hat, meaning a tip at the end of the show. Nice. So they I, they would pull the resources, I'd come out perform so they could invite people over and everyone's outside and at a distance. And it worked out really well. And I did a ton of those for birthday parties. I did um, weddings that way. I did, um, I'm trying to think, what did I do? I did, um, one was just like, um, it was like a financial thing where I guess it was like 20 years in a financial business or something type of um company parties I did a distillery at an anniversary so I did all kinds of events that way and then I was still able to do busking festivals I did travel out to Utah or Salt Lake City for a busking festival um but everything I did was outside or it was virtual and the virtual shows were actually very taxing <laughs> yeah. because you know you have to learn it's a whole new skill like you the tech the headphones oh, for sure you know dealing with zoom and dealing with copywriting music when you're uploading stuff for people and just right. so many levels of things that i had to relearn to then produce and then when i was doing in-person shows i was getting tested constantly i was Excuse me. I was, it was, but that's I. That's I, what you had to do. I had and to do that. It was a great idea. Work. It looked so fun. It to worked. See it people go to really different houses, enjoyed bringing it. them joy. Yeah, people really enjoyed it. Um, I have uh, so many kids that were just needing something to yeah. do. It was a lot of fun to be that person to help. Oh you yeah, know. people that's what ran artists out of, do. That's what we're supposed yeah. People to. <laughs> ran out of Tiger King and Netflix. Things yeah, real quick. after they they blasted through <laughs> yeah. all of that, they're like, you know what? Let's hire her to come swallow a, sor- a sword in our front yard. <laughs> that's awesome. That's fun. <laughs> and do fire. Are you still doing that? I do, but my schedule is kind of um, now that things are dying down and we can go out and travel more freely. Um, I've got my like right now, my month of June is completely booked up all month of traveling in Iowa, North Dakota, Illinois, and I'll be performing shows at variety of library events i'll have my book with me of course um i'm also going to be on the east coast for like three weeks and i'm going to be at the maryland renaissance festival and then i'm going to book a a bunch of little um um, variety shows cabaret clubs and things like that do you travel alone or do you travel with a partner solo with your partner yeah i'm what do you like to do one woman stunt show (laughs) well i mean like travel like as a travel partner like just when you're traveling place, you just go by yourself? Generally, I perform solo, so I just go by myself. Um, sometimes I'll have a safety technician. So for my shows where I use a lot of fire breathing, um, where the danger aspect increases by a lot, I have performance insurance. I, so per my performance insurance, okay. I have to have a safety technician for my fire shows. Okay. So I will hire someone that will be on tour for me with that. Um, but if it's not that, then it's just me running around this world's <laughs> <laughs> by myself right so when you were doing the the barbed wire of death mm-hmm. hula hoop thing do you get hurt on that or not hurt but does it cut you up it's got um, you, right well like i said it's a stunt stunts can have mistakes things can happen i've i've trained with it enough to know how to properly use it and not hurt myself but i mean mistakes happen um one of i wear glasses like 
these glasses, but I also wear safety glasses when I'm when I'm learning or practicing a new stunt with the barbed wire hoots because um, I realized one day uh, by practicing with it and I was hand hooping and I was doing some trick or something and I messed up the timing and the rotation of the hoop. And if I'm not keeping that going, then it will just like drop like a dead weight and it kind of did that and it sliced my glasses so if I didn't have glasses it would have been my eyeballs <laughs> so now I, I wear like safety goggles when I'm practicing something new um, but I like to say that the the cuts and things they're lash lacerations because they're barbs that are like they're they're pretty long barbs on the it's unaltered right. it's not sanded down it's just all I did was put the barbed wire in the shape of a hula hoop and um, so the lacerations can be pretty severe. <laughs> yeah, like aren't they cutting you every time they go around? You? It's not no, cutting you at not, all. Not no? every time. I mean, they call me the I mean, pain-proof, pain-proof, death-defying stunt woman for a reason. Are you a pain-proof? <laughs> Everything I do in my my stunt show has a level of discomfort. Like I was saying, like it does, you are in pain, you just mask it well. No. Like, I'm not in pain. I have a very high pain tolerance. Well, that's what so I'm saying. You're matter. not in pain, but is it like going to hurt a normal person? Uh, a Most normal person like, with zero training, yes, it will hurt yeah. them. <laughs> they will not like it <laughs> is, <laughs> there, is, there, is there anything that mm -hmm. is a little bit painful to you or like this is very uncomfortable? What's the most uncomfortable? There's got to be something that's pretty uncomfortable. Well, everything has its levels of discomfort. Mm -hmm. It's just the more you do, the more you're put through torture, you could handle a lot of torture. Right. <laughs> but uh, it's not torture. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think because I'm like, I'll do hundreds of shows a year. So for is there me, one out there that you're like, so... I, will, I can't do that. That's I just that's too much for me or I, that would hurt or I just don't want to. Other ones out there that you're like, I wish I could, but I can't. Um, I'm trying to think of things. I will say things that always have an inherent level of danger that I'm constantly not not a level of I can't do it because there's nothing in my show or anything that I do that I can't do because then if I can't do it, then why would I put it on stage and potentially risk my audience members getting hurt or mm -hmm. myself getting hurt? Um, but I guess things that have a level of inherent danger no matter how long I've been doing it, no matter how long I've trained to do it. It's things like, like I was saying, glass eating is one of those things. Um, regardless of the technique involved, once you have let that go into your body, we're soft and squishy on the right. inside. <laughs> it goes all the way through and it comes out the other end. So it's not like I throw it up later or anything like that. So there's levels of inherent danger to that that you it's out of your hands to some degree after right. it's literally out right. of your hands um i haven't had any extreme injuries but in the circus performance world it's very much a mindset of it's not if it's going to happen it's when it's going to happen mm -hmm. and you have to know how to prepare yourself mentally physically you know have all of the safety steps involved whether if it's you need your first aid an advanced version of a first aid kit, you know, whatever it may be for what you're doing. There's certain stunts that have um, bodily fluids involved that has another level. I don't do those stunts. Um, it's called pincushion. Um, and that's when you have a needle and you stick it through your through like your 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 wrist to the other side or through your cheeks or needles in various parts of its body. But 
you're performing this in public places, so there's an inherent bloodborne disease risk involved. So sure. as an entertainer, there's more things you have to do, like making sure you have a biohazard bag. You have to make sure you have like um, cavi wipes, which are like um, wipes that can kill, you know, not just antibodies, but antimicrobial wipes. So certain levels that you have to do wow. as an entertainer to keep yourself consistently safe as well as your audience members because – as an entertainer, I have signed up to get hurt. I have signed up to potentially, I've, I mean, I have off days or I'm performing on a stage where the stage may be slightly wobbly. It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. It's in my contract that it shouldn't be. But if that were to happen and I slip and say I have a ladder of swords I walk on, if I my balance is off because the stage is off and I slip and I fall on my machetes and I lose a toe, I signed up that that could potentially happen to me. Just a toe? So, <laughs> you never know. It could be more than a toe. It could be like a whole calf or if I'm swallowing a sword and I swallow a sword and then I go into the splits and then I do various splits and things like that when I swallowing a sword. But as I'm doing that, as I'm moving around and I'm not touching the sword, again, once it's in my body and it's out of my hands, there's more danger. I could potentially puncture my esophagus. I could yeah. puncture oh, my stomach. I can't. That's know, sword thing. Stomach Jeez. surgery is very, and it has a lot of Who is risks. that for? That's for <laughs> me, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, thankfully, I'm I've trained consistently to keep up my skills so that hasn't happened. It has those things happened before to people. They have. There have been sword swallowers who've had accidents. Right, um, I've heard about a couple. There, um, thankfully, it's been a long time since someone has actually died from sword swallowing. Is it still a death-defying stunt? Yes, but because of our uh. medical advances, we are able to use <laughs> little machines with little tiny hands to go in Don't and like worry, we can stitch you this. back up and then <laughs> slap your ass. Sword, you'll be get back fine. on stage and you know. <laughs> <laughs> could have done this 80 years ago but today you'll be fine kid don't worry about it yeah can you eat any glass or is it like a it's not a is it stunt glass that you're eating no or? it's not um gaff glass like people think gaff glass like the glass you see in hollywood sugar glass it's not that it's like real glass i um personally i don't eat any kind of glass because I don't like to damage my teeth. There are people out there who eat oh. wine bottles. Um, I've Ugh. there's people out there who eat. Um, That's just worse than the source one. glass eating. And there's more Ugh. than just glass eaters. There's people who <laughs> will eat various objects like rubber, metal, things like that. There's there's all Ugh. types of what is it eaters like, uh, out there. So when you're eating, what are you eating? Will you eat a light bulb? I do light bulb. I do light bulb. Like a regular light bulb. You just oh, yeah. you buy from Target, just a normal that you would put in your lamp or whatever. Just break it and eat it. Uh huh. I have a little act where I like to invite someone on stage. And we have a little a dinner together, and I let them. I have the light bulb warming up in a lamp, and I take it out, and I let them crack it, and um, I let them put the pieces of glass into my mouth. So then it it's that added stunt to it because I don't want people to think I'm a magician because I'm not. I'm not. Um, palming anything into my hand I'm not replacing the glass for anything else um, I'm not buying a special theater glass I just go to Walmart to get a lot of my supplies Walmart or the, the um, hardware store mm -hmm. <laughs> is where I get supplies for my shows <laughs> but um, and it's also easier for cleanup too <laughs> to have a little uh, that's bit. insane to me that's 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 very sharp 
Like when I yes, when, it's when, sharp. Like when I when I when a, a light bulb breaks in your kitchen floor, you gotta sweep that shit up because there'll be one little small little piece that's getting in your foot. Yeah, oh, I've had glass in my foot before. Oh, that's the worst. That happens. Oh, yeah. that, that happens. Big deal. Oh, <laughs> but you're eating it. Yes. You, uh, so what's the trick? Just chewing it up extremely fine. Um, I'm not gonna go over details because I don't want people to. No one's gonna think do it. They're going. To, you'd be surprised. Oh, they can just know. YouTube it. I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, they can. They, they can definitely YouTube. These I'll are let adults. Them listen, now, these it. are adults that you're that are listening <laughs> to this show. And they're the worst. They're the ones oh. who are like, oh, I already know. I I listed. I understand. Understand the mechanics of then how they it. deserve to whatever <laughs> happens they deserve to, to get L- messed listen, up. <laughs> don't try this at home, but what just chew a whole lot? <laughs> just chew a whole bunch. Is it? Just chew a whole lot. It's, it's like- really hard chips, is like the way I like to think about it. You like kettle chips? Well think of kettle chips, but much, much harder. Um, it is bad for your teeth. A lot of things that I do does it cut is your gums bad up? for uh huh, it does. God. But it just ah. it heals up eventually. Yeah, your mouth heals fast. Yeah, th- that's what I was saying. There's so many levels of risks that are involved. Like um, when I eat fire, people ask, oh, do you burn yourself? It's like, well, technically I burn myself every single time I'm eating fire because there's fire in my mouth. And it just takes off the top, top layer of stuff if I'm doing a ton of fire eating. Um, you can you can not spin fire and not eventually get burned, if that makes sense. Like with When you play with fire, you're going to get burned. It's yeah. the oldest saying yeah. in history, of Literally, course. Yeah, that's saying the one thing I can remember. Yeah, <laughs> it, it happens. Um, so you just, you try to mitigate risk of that message as much as you can. Do you to, spit fire? You do the... Yeah, the fire breathing. That's one Fire of the, breathing, that's what it is. One of the more dangerous things. That is? Mm-hmm. I knew it was. Because you are holding fuel in your mouth, so you're exposing yourself to carcinogenic... Um, materials fuel um the soot that comes off of it um that you're inhaling um there uh, are added risks of you're blowing a flame there's a blowback is when you blow a flame and maybe the wind changes or um your technique could be off but it's when the flame basically follows that stream of fuel that you're back blowing in? out back into your mouth a, yeah. and then your mouth and everything inside catches on fire have you seen that before unfortunately i have what happened <laughs> what, what is that like um terrifying to, to smell human flesh on fire i don't think oh. that is never not terrifying <laughs> was it bad like like it you oh. so there and i'm not saying that the art i'm not going to say the artist names of, of course not um but like i was saying it, it's an inherent risk mm-hmm. and there are fire stunts that you can do that have less risk but it's always going to be risky and you have so many factors involved the wind if the wind shifts on you suddenly you have to constantly be aware of the wind is going so you don't breathe into the wind there are so many other factors involved like if you're fire spinning at an event where they call it a flow jam or a spin jam and there's tons of people within a fire circle you have to be aware of all of those people around you so you don't accidentally breathe fire or fuel onto them and catch them on fire but also that you are in control of your breath so you can make sure you breathe appropriately so you yourself don't accidentally inhale you know if you have to stop suddenly there's just so many factors Jeez but and the in the time that i had seen it the issue was that the person wasn't wearing proper fire safe clothing and they had like a hood thing on basically so um 
it was it was at a performance. So I was hired to be there and this artist is hired to be there and there were other people that were hired to be there. So it wasn't like I booked the people to be there. I was just there along Happen with other people. Yes. So the person who was managing things was managing the artists. So I knew this person was not wearing fire safe clothing and their outfit was not appropriate. And I mentioned a thing to the person and then I mentioned a thing to Narc. the person who's running it. <laughs> but the thing is, you, there's so many factors of why you want to be safe and other people to be safe. Because if like the white snake incident that happened at the club that everything burned down and tons of people died. And like ever since then, they don't have like a pyro technics inside clubs or at least they have like tons of regulations you have to get certified to be able to do it nowadays because of i forgot what state it was in but if you look at white snake fire or something um it'll come up but um if a fire performer messes up it basically puts a bad light on the community in general Mm -hmm. as well as um potential for you to be hired back by that client or hired back by their other friends who they're now going to go tell right, people right. about. And even though I wasn't the person who hired Word like that can spread act, like wildfire, you know? Yes, literally. <laughs> literally. Um, I would still be guilty by association to some degree that mm-hmm. I was there and I didn't do something. So I did my due diligence to just be like, I just want to make sure you know I am also helping as a fire safety um, and it's my job as a fire safety to be like, what's our risk assessment? What do we need to do to make sure this goes safe for everybody? And you got to do your due diligence. But either way, the person who was running it was like, oh, it's fine. I know him, blah, 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 blah. They brushed, <laughs> they brushed it off. <laughs> so long story short. That's uh, just Bill. He gets crazy yeah. on the week. He has a little too much to drink. Are, and thinks he can breathe fire. There are people who do that. And that's also why I prefer to work solo and just hire my own safety because there are just people who have that, men- that type of performance mentality that I don't personally share. Um, it's like, oh, yeah, we're just spinning for the fun of it. And we just got hired to do this thing. You know, I'm just very fortunate to be here and it's 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 just a different mentality than someone who does it full-time professionally like this is my job you know but either way yeah the i don't know specifically it was like a blowback situation where he breathed flyer and then it blew back into his face or he just breathed in the oils from breathing can drip down and if that caught on fire but his, his face eventually got caught on fire and we had to go put him out and um whatnot and just continue with the show like the show goes on that was a fire stunt and he that happened and you basically just pull the next person on and then continue so the audience doesn't you know catch on too much to to what happened but he um it wasn't too bad of a situation you know hair and stuff got burned a little singe on lips and things like that cloth clothing got melted and things but um it uh, could have been a lot worse. There are people who have died from fire breathing. There are people who have died from fire spinning um, because their props malfunctioned or they couldn't, their safety didn't get to them fast enough. There are people who die from the effect called, um, I'm blanking exactly what it's called, but um, when you inhale fuel particles into your lungs, it basically causes um, um, a chemical um, burn within the lungs and it is oh, very right. painful. It has a specific Yikes. name and I'm blanking on what it's called. Um, it can happen from inhaling 
the because you're holding fuel in your mouth so when you breathe right. you have to make sure you know you don't inhale the fuel there's tons of techniques and things that are involved in that um but you can mess up in various ways like if it's not fire breathing you can accidentally inhale the flame itself um from different fire props if oh, you're careful man. with wow this is there's, so much danger in this stuff your hair can catch on Who fire knew? i my hair that i have is um high heat resistant type hair oh, really? so is that spe- you got I- special circus hair <laughs> it's not special <laughs> i wouldn't call it special circus hair it's more of just like you can buy hair that is um a type of plastic that's created to basically not catch on fire as quickly everything wow. everything will catch on it's not specifically for fire circus community it's more of just like black community and yeah. our hair and wanting okay. to curl our hair and yeah. stuff but oh, turns, okay. but it turns out things that we do use within the black community can be helpful for like fire spinning and stuff nice. so yeah I, I like to have my real hair actually braided to protect it because my real hair will catch on fire just like half a second or a second faster than um the high heat resistant hair but in the end everything is going to have a flash point to catch on fire and you just try to use certain materials that won't catch on fire as fast Mm. (laughs) that's basically the the best way of describing it like even the props themselves that are on fire can eventually be destroyed by by the fire, yeah. by, the, by the fuels, the things that I'm using. So we have to consistently keep up on our equipment, make sure things are safe when you're swinging something around. You don't want it to accidentally release into the crowd on fire. I've seen that happen before, too, <laughs> which was terrifying. You're like, oh, there goes the prop into the people. <laughs> and then running over really fast and grabbing it and, and snuffing it oops, out. Oops, so it not, no, no, not in here, not in here. Look the other way, folks. Again, another performer that was hired by somebody else to be there. <laughs> it's like, I didn't do that. Don't worry. Always check my chains and everything. <laughs> have you clipped anybody? Have I clipped someone? Yeah, you know, you're doing like, the hula hoop thing with the balloon. Have you no. got? Have you gotten anybody? Have you hurt and uh, no. injured anybody? Nope. Nope, never. I. Pref- have you seen it? Have you seen people get injured? Uh, have you seen a performer injure? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Just an innocent person. <laughs> I, I need someone from the crowd to come up here to hold this, and then they'd like just put a dart in their face or something? No. The One of the things I've seen, so there's varying things in people's shows that have inherent level of danger, even though if they're not doing a stunt like I'm doing, like there's shows where people, like street shows where people are involved, they're catching things, they're running and doing things, helping entertainers. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're, going, you're in these little areas with all this stuff going on. And there's no like real checks and balance in the performance world for someone that will say, that's too dangerous, so you shouldn't do that. People don't tell people to do that. They're just kind of looking like, that may happen, like that may go bad. Well, that's I'm why we're like. watching a lot of the times. <laughs> I want to see this but, guy chain, that's juggling chainsaws. I, mean, I want to see. I I don't really actually want to see it, but I'm there in case it does. So the the time that I saw things go wrong, where like I was saying that one guy he caught himself on fire, one guy's prop broke, and that went into the crowd. Other times I've seen where audience members like one person broke their wrist because they were running to catch something that the Uh-oh. entertainer had like thrown from the catch and they were like running around people and they fell and like broke the wrist. So they had to call the amp. It was like a whole situation. Um, I've seen a fire hula hooper hit somebody in the face with her hula hoop mm. because she was performing too close to the audience members. So it was like an elevated situation where she was up here performing and the audience was down here. So they were at like face level and 
people told her to get back away from them, but she just didn't listen, wasn't paying attention to the safety, things you're not supposed to be doing, basically was too complacent. And she was foot hula hooping. And she did this, this, this turn or twist or whatever, where you roll basically from all, all fours onto your back. And as she did that roll, her hoop swung out and whapped the guy in the face. It was like a fire hoop. So it was like, oh. and it like the flame transferred to his face a little bit. Cause he had like, you know, a beard and whatever, but he was fine and whatever. Um, but things happen. Right. <laughs> and I'm not saying that, you know, perf- there's not, professional performers who know what they're doing and that you should be worried when you see a show not like that at all but when you've been doing what i've been doing for so long you see hundreds of shows right. you see um you've done hundreds of shows uh you eventually things go wrong in some way or another um but thankfully that's not the normal and that doesn't happen a lot of the times <laughs> right um that's what we watch for though yeah, I mean, it's like America's Got Talent, yeah. Go Big Show. They want they they take performers like me on there, and they do it because they hope that things will go wrong eventually. Of course, they don't want people to actually get hurt and die, whether it's the entertainer or the people watching the show or involved in it. But people get a thrill out of danger and get a thrill at the potential of something will go wrong. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily watching it to see it go right. I mean, of course, they're going to think it's going to go right because this person's a professional and know what they're doing. But they're also there's a good portion of people that are also watching it because they're watching for the potential. We love a train wreck. For it to go wrong. I watch people tightrope. It's universal. I've traveled in all sorts of locations in various countries in Europe, France, France. Italy, Germany, um, let me think, Switzerland, what, whatever, various countries there. I've been to New Zealand. I've been in Canada several times, all over the USA. And I can tell you, I've met people from all over the world, all different walks of life, speak different languages, but everyone loves a train wreck. Everyone loves a train <laughs> everyone wreck. Everyone will stop and watch a train oh, wreck. Sure. If they don't know what you're saying in your show, they don't care. They just see something's happening and they're like, this is going to go somewhere and they will stop and watch it. And it's it's so interesting to see that level of humanity that we can bond together over something like that over a train wreck <laughs> comedy but you know arts and yeah. potential train wrecks <laughs> yeah. yeah well martika this was fun yes how I can people so many things now how can people reach out to you if uh, they want to hire you for something or, or where, yeah. if they want to see you or mm-hmm. like what's uh what you, tell people what you got going on definitely so you can hire me um, by going to the Martika show and that is spelled my name M-A-R-T-I-K-A and um, the Martika show has tons of video and different things if you want to see more about my book you just go to the amazingmartika.com or just go to the martika show and you'll see it immediately on my website there are tons of video pictures of me in action and um, there's a form on there you can fill out um instagram i'm under that too facebook you can find me under that as well um oh my gosh there's there's so many things yeah send me instagram message um i want to take a selfie with you so i can post that on my instagram yeah we'll take before pictures. It, before it's like all done and, and stuff um but yeah feel free to comment on that that you watched it i'm curious of your guys's thoughts out there and stuff like that about i don't know business stuff if there's artists out there that's like i do pottery and i'm trying to figure out like how to get to the next level there's 
there's all types of information out there. I'm happily send you uh, a DM of information. So well, I'm a podcast and I'm out. trying to take it to the next level. <laughs> Martega, this was great. I appreciate yes, it. This was so much fun. Good. All right. <laughs> yeah. Bye.